showed the father from the other pictures, in his youth, and a pretty black woman with an afro. They sat at a table in one of those Japanese hibachi restaurants, smiling as if they would be young and beautiful forever. He didn't know why he'd pulled out the pictures. Looking at them had the predictable effect of stoking his anger. He supposed that he was in an introspective mood, ruminating on his life and how it was so unfair that it had turned out this way. He picked up the framed photograph. It was wallet-sized, and the glass front was cracked. It had been damaged when, in a rage, he'd flung the photo against a wall. He double-checked that his shirt covered his gun and then left the bedroom, tucking the picture in his pocket. He checked in both directions along the dark hallway, looking for a hidden intruder. No one was in there. It was just him and Mama, like always, mother and son against the world. Mama sat at the kitchen table, smoking a Newport. The table was set for dinner, but she hadn't eaten. The aromas of fried chicken, greens, cornbread, and other foods rose from the battery of pots and pans on the counter and stove. Mama's gaze flicked across the bulge underneath his shirt. Disapproval flared in her eyes. Mama was a long way from stupid. Isaiah moved his hand to conceal the gun. You didn't have to wait for me, Mama. It's Sunday, she said, as if that explained everything. And it did. Mama believed in sit-down family meals on Sundays, and he obliged her. She believed in attending church services on Sundays, too, but he refused to go along with that. He believed in God, but he no longer believed God cared about people like him. His initial realization of God's indifference to his plight came during his first stint in juvenile detention, when two teenage bullies, beating him because he was new, laughed mockingly when he cried out for God to help him. And his faith hadn't been helped when, as a teenager, he'd seen the pastor of their church, a married man with three kids, hurrying out of Mama's bedroom one night, yanking up his slacks around his waist. Fifty-two years old but looking much older, Mama hadn't lured any philandering pastors or other men of note into her bedroom in a long time. She was a short, slender woman with chestnut skin and almond-shaped copper-brown eyes. Her brittle hair, dyed red but showing stark gray roots, was pulled back into a severe bun. She wore a shapeless blue dress, like an old church lady. Isaiah remembered when, back in the day, Brothers driving by Mama would honk and yell crude come-ons. She was far removed from the pretty, vibrant young thing who'd posed in the photo at the Japanese restaurant. Although black women tended to age well, years of hard-scrabble living, cigarettes, and drinking had taken the luster off her complexion, added a net of wrinkles to her face, slowed her stroll, and drawn dark circles underneath her once lively eyes. Mama, too, deserved a better life. She rose, bones creaking, and began to fix plates for both of them. She didn't always get his food for him, but ever since he'd been released from state prison at the beginning of the year, she'd given him extra care and attention, as if he were a wounded bird that required TLC before he could spread his wings again. He didn't have the heart to tell her he'd never flown. He didn't like for Mama to cater to him, 
but she'd snap at him if he resisted, so he sat at the table and waited. He looked around at the fancy new things she'd recently bought, the oak dining set, the bone china and silverware and glasses, the new microwave, food processor, rotisserie oven and mixer. And he thought about the stuff in the other rooms, the Queen Anne furniture, the opulent draperies, the antique vases, and crystal bowls. The kind of luxuries she'd always wanted, but never had been able to afford. The expensive items were pathetically out of place in their cramped, crumbling home. They'd inherited the house six years ago from his grandmother, moving there from the roach-infested apartment in the infamous Robert Taylor Holmes, where he'd spent his youth. Grandma's house didn't need new furniture and appliances. It needed to be renovated, and extensively at that. The hardwood floor was missing boards, dents, marks.